Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. So I'll be reading from John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, the Word of God. Good morning. This is going to be tricky because we're so wide. I'm going to be trying to see how we... I may actually even stay back over here <laughs> so I can see all your lovely faces. Um, I am April Gutierrez, and I'm your guest preacher for this morning. And um, I am so delighted to talk a little bit with uh, John's Gospel because this is a gospel that has um, had such great meaning for me. Um, when I was studying in grad school, I actually intentionally took a class that was only on the Gospel of John and um, just kind of savoring these words because words have been so much my safety place. As Keith talks about like keeping that safe space, words were my safe place. Being intentional about how I use my words, certainly, but also like writing, finding the space that I can be inside myself and make sense of the world using my words. And, um, and so it's had a lot of um, significance for me, but very confusing as well, trying to understand how words can become flesh um, and, and trying to understand what it means that the Word was already present and was the Word. God was the Word and was present before the Word. So um, I have grappled with this text, and I think I will all my life, um, but one thing that has been really significant um, for me with this text has been no words at all. It's actually this beautiful painting that hangs in my office um, that was a gift from my father-in-law, who was a Methodist pastor as well, and 
when he was a pastor, it always hung in his office. So this gift is very precious to me because I adore my father-in-law and look up to him very much, but also because it was a gift from his mother. His mother was the painter. And uh, Beth, I never met. Uh, She died before I was um, in, in relationship with my husband. And so I've only known her through her paintings. Uh, There are paintings in my home. There are paintings in my husband's aunt's houses, in his cousin's houses. Um, It's just incredible to see all these paintings um, by a woman that I've never met. And so a few years ago, when I received this painting, I asked my mother-in-law if she had a picture of Beth um, that I could have with the painting to sit next to it. And she gave me this picture of her about my age um, at the time. It was maybe five years ago. Um, And this lovely black and white picture. And she just is smiling and so poised. And I love that it sits next with this painting because 35 years passed from the time this picture was taken and when the painting was created. Because she lived most of her life before she ever picked up a paintbrush. She was in her late 60s, early 70s, before she started painting. And I love looking at this woman who had accomplished so much already in her life and yet found this passion and talent. Um, She was a a notorious woman in the art scene in Ann Arbor um, when she began painting um, because she's very gifted. And I love looking at this painting and just wondering what was she thinking with the prologue of John's Gospel because there are no words. There is so much light and color and beauty and no words. And as I studied, I always thought about words being so significant. Not even one word is in this painting. And I love that. And it confuses me, and it's brilliant. And so I treasure this, both because of the significance in our family, but also the significance of Beth's life, that she had tried something new late after she was a grandmother and her children were grown, and said, I'll give it a go. And it gives me courage to think about what I can try new, how I can look at a situation in a new way. And it's just been a real grace for me. I think as a wife, um, I I celebrate my 13th anniversary tomorrow. Um, (laughs) I have realized because I value words, I use a lot of them. Um, I love to unpack and think about and I think about many drives because we, our family is in Michigan and we're here and so we have a lot of time to talk um, in, in car rides. That's really when I get to connect with Evan in longer conversations. And um, I say, I, I probably can be talking for 20 minutes and then I look over and I'm like, what do you think, Evan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I get angry. Didn't you hear all that I just said? Like, there were so many things that I, and he's like, I'm thinking about it. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. 
And I remember, like, this was a point of real conflict in our marriage early on because I needed him to, to speak for as long as I did and in order to validate that I was talking. He, he needed to talk and talk. And Brittany and I were talking one time, and she said, you know, um, women talk. It's, there's been surveys and research that says that women talk probably twice as much as men do. Okay. Think about that. And I think one of the graces with this text that has me recognizing that this is, this is an opportunity for me not to count words, um, but to, to seek the light, to understand how Evan and I seek God and see light in experiences in very different ways. And rather than trying to see that he can match my words, I need to look for the ways that I can see and understand how we experience and know things in very different ways and are both seeking light, are both seeking truth. And that is, that is a gift and a challenge that I, I will continue, I'm sure, for, for many years to come. But a real grace to recognize that sometimes I'm asking the wrong question. I want to know, are you listening? If you're listening, then you must X, Y, and Z. And the reality is, if he's listening, he'll answer in a way that reflects the light of what I am saying rather than the number of words. So I think um, when, when I visit this text, oftentimes I think it might be Pollyanna a little bit of me to just literally think about words. Um, isn't there more about the flesh and the incarnate? And absolutely there is. But I think in our society right now particularly, with a presidential candidate who uses words freely without consequence, and those words are turning into acts of violence against Muslim communities, against women. I, I have to go back to what do we do with our words? What is the power in our words? And how do we own that responsibility to walk tenderly with the ways in which we use our words so that we illuminate light. And one of those ways, I think, is not to cast an overfocus on bad things with poking fun of presidential candidates, for instance, but rather to respond with light. And my husband was telling me about this article that he read recently that was really impactful of a Muslim activist who was saying, if you want to do something, here's five ways to really be an ally to the Muslim community. And I think as I um, sit in my office every day, my office is right next door to our Muslim chaplain, who I adore. He's a phenomenal theologian, and he's just a hilarious man. Um, and it's been really important, I think, to have space where we can have conversation and to have 
our conversation be light and also to name. This is a safe place. That's my desire. How can I create safe space with you? How can I support you knowing that you are supporting our Muslim students at a time when they are scared, at a time when they are unsure? Another thing that the woman wrote in the article was, if you see a woman who covers, to sit next to her, to have conversation, or simply smile, to create safe space, that is so much more powerful in creating spaces of light than making sure on Facebook everyone knows who you don't want as president, right? Amen. So I think the good news in the text is pointing us to these places where we are challenged to wonder how we can be light. How do we create light? And I think I often am like wanting to think about big picture and huge change, which I think is very important and I will continue to think about. But I also recognize um, when we were on um, uh, our break visiting family in Michigan, the many opportunities that I take as soon as I'm in the car to say, can you believe my sister said that? Did you see what she did? Instead of saying, wow, I'm so glad my sister's children and my children play together, or thinking about how do I revel in the gift of the time with my family? And I think that is going to be the biggest challenge for me when I think about how am I reflecting the light? I love that opportunity in the text to think about how do I reflect light? I am not the light, but I can bear witness to the light. And I think it is in these challenging moments when I just want to get a little stab in of I could complain about this too. Um, when I change that and say, I can't believe how warm it is and how beautiful it is to drive through the country in Michigan. It's, it's so challenging, and yet it changes my children's attitude. It changes my day if I do that. And yet it is so very challenging for me. I think with John's Gospel, the reason I am so drawn to it is because people get dirty. They get their hands dirty. When he blesses someone, he uses dirt. When he has the last meal with his friends, he washes their dirty feet. And I think I'm drawn to that because I love to make sure everything is in its place. And I want to make sure my children are always clean before church. And, you know, and, and yet it throws it in my face that that's, that's God reminding me. Certainly, the order can help me stay sane. But God is with me in all of it. And it's okay to get my hands dirty. It's okay to just laugh with my children in the midst of the dirty house. I love John for that. I also love how poetic this prologue is. And um, some commentators write that it's probably a hymn, which draws me in even more as I love to sing and think about how 
we use our lyrics to promote light? In what ways is music creating joy and light in our house? I also love all the creativity and that points to wisdom, Lady Wisdom, and the grace that that provides me as I feel timid about my own call. It calls me forth gently, using words that, that sink deep into me. And later in the text, we even hear God's reference to the bosom, this tender place, instead of this vile place that's you over-sexualized, but this tender place that our children want to rest. I think John is so interested in creation because it's really the litmus test. What is Christian? What isn't? Is not about what is right and what is wrong, but what is life-giving? What is creating light in the world? Where do we find hope? That is what it is to be Christian. Where we create darkness. That is where we are stepping away from God. I think there's real grace in that, that in our fullness, we get a glimpse of who God is.